You've seen the best. You've seen the worst. Now here's the rest of both worlds. I'm Gayfish. Good tea. Nice house. And I'm Ari. And the owls are not what they seem. And today we will be discussing the Star Trek The Next Generation episodes The Survivors and Who Watches the Watchers. Uh, But first, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, just uh, premiered like two days ago, yesterday, at the time of recording. Technically yesterday. Technically yesterday. (laughs) Actually, no, like... I was waiting around because I'm reviewing it for my YouTube channel, and uh, then a friend of mine DM'd me at like 9 p.m. saying, uh, uh, you know, this is not a drill, it's live. I'm like, oh, nice. Was it really up at 9 p.m.? I would have just stayed up and watched it, dang it. <laughs> hey, I was happy because I was like, well, I'm going to be reviewing two episodes here. I'm gonna, It's going to be a late night for me, but I actually went to bed nor- yeah. earlier than I do when I just do like a, a Strange New Worlds video. Anyway, um figured we'd talk a little bit about that so we've both seen the two episodes i squealed a lot there was lots of squealing i'm a i'm a i'm a huge prequels fan we've talked about this yeah. before it's not a secret i love the prequels you told me to skip the recap because it was just recapping the prequels and i was like no i love the prequels <laughs> so i watched the recap and um i don't know i i don't know i love it i i have loved every single moment of it when we're done recording i'm going out to the living room and watching them nice. again that was my plan <laughs> yeah i mean i'm i'm in love with it what i wasn't expecting i have not watched your video so i don't know your opinion. Yeah, no i love it too but what i was not expecting i wasn't expecting to see leia at all to for starters no that was a big surprise um, yeah but she seems like she's one of the main characters of the show and like the way she's written it definitely feels like a younger leia but like because she's so precocious and and so you know like bossy and witty and stuff uh in a lesser child actor's hands it would have been a disaster like i, I really oh but the girl is a genius she's so good yeah. she's such a good actor that I'd, like I, this show wouldn't have worked if they had got someone else i don't think no no i think she's so good she's so good at being little leia it's like she's a little reincarnated carrie fisher like i don't know she's got the attitude she delivers the lines right she also can do the like sweet innocent child thing pretty well too but you can tell there's a little bit of like precociousness leia behind her eyes when she's doing Uh it you know like i don't know i think the a little girl actress is a genius or whoever it is that cast her is a genius (laughs) because i think she's really good like i just love her i think she's great and no i wasn't expecting to see her obviously in the preview we saw Luke pretending to pod race on top of the hut and on Tatooine, right? right? But I don't think, I think Leia was meant to be the baby Yoda drop yeah. of this show. Like, cause she shows up toward the end of the first episode and it's like, Oh my God. And it's funny because, you know, it cuts to the, to the, the planet. And my husband goes, Oh, it's like Naboo. And I started screaming. <laughs> I was like, it's all, it's all drawn. It's all drawn because she climbs those mountains when she's fourteen with Holdo. <laughs> I haven't read like, those books, what? but uh, I only, it's my one Star Star Wars book I've read, <laughs> and so I was so excited. I was just like, "Oh my goodness!" Because I, I had no idea. So yeah, I mean, those of us who are Leia fangirls, obviously, I was talking to Manda yeah, about I, I it as well because. <laughs> yeah so we were messaging each other and she's like yeah i had no idea except for everybody started messaging me you need to go watch (laughs) right now (laughs) so yeah i mean aside from leia i'm pretty excited to see where it goes i think they have an interesting story going i really like the um 
I have not really watched much of the Clone Wars, uh-huh. so I don't know about the Inquisitors that much, but I really like... The Inquisitors aren't in Clone Wars, they're in Rebels. Oh, they're in Rebels, yes. okay. And um, I have also only seen a couple episodes of that. Yeah, um, a couple of the Inquisitors that have shown up on the show are in Rebels, but um, the, the, the main one, the third sister... The, the one who's, you know, the, like the the seeming like the uh, lead villain. She's just in Kenobi. Right. She was not in Rebels. So she's a new character for this. That's what we were trying to figure out because my husband's watched more of the cartoons than me. And so he was like, I don't remember, remember her. And I was like, I think she might have been created just for the yeah, show. She's a new character. But the premise is really good. I had called that Vader would show up. I mean, at the time that he did. And we all know he's right. coming because he's been credited with being in the show. But I am so ready to see because I've expected this to be an Annie and Obi show, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's what I've been expecting. And they threw me off guard with Leia. But I mean, it makes so much more sense because at first I thought they were going to have Ben interact with Luke. And I was like, how in the world? But I still got a how in the world about it, though, because how in the world is Leia not going to remember reaching out to Obi-Wan Kenobi Six years well, later, when she sends the helpless Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only she, hope. I mean, she she says, years ago, you served my father in the Clone Wars. Um, but right. I, 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 it is a little bit weird that she wouldn't have referenced when she, he rescued her as a kid. But I, I don't think it's it's too much of a stretch. Also, I would. But what is Star Wars without plot yeah, holes? I, I, yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, I was worried that the show was going to be Ben palling around with uh, baby Luke. And I didn't want yeah. that to happen, and I'm glad it didn't. I didn't think I so. I think yeah. that's all we've yeah. seen of Luke. I don't think we're going to see Luke again in the, for the rest of the show. I don't see why we would, because Luke's not a very complicated character. He's just going to be on that farm until the start of a new yeah, hope, there's nothing, right? Like we know there's that. nothing for him to do. If you give him an adventure before, then well, then why is he stuck on that farm yearning for adventure that he's never had? Right, exactly. Whereas Leia was off having adventures, yeah. like in all the books and everything. And so it's it's smart of them that they went this way. But yes, I'm very excited. I can't wait to see where it goes. I feel like this is going to be one of the better, like one of the probably one of the best um, Disney Plus shows. Probably, I, I I I will say since we're about to talk about the survivors, which you know I make a bunch of Wandavision jokes in my notes <laughs> about the survivors. <laughs> that you know, Wandavision. I just rewatched over on the airplane when I was out of town last uh-huh. week, and because um, I downloaded it to my phone, so I'd have something to watch. And man, that show is so good, especially now with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness to like be a capper to uh-huh. it. But I feel like with the way that Kenobi's going, I think it's probably going to be like one of the flagship like Disney Plus shows. I was really afraid it was going to be kind of cheesy like Boba. Like Boba Fett. At the beginning, Boba was kind of cheesy. They didn't know what they wanted to do with that show because Boba Fett doesn't have a character. And so like, yeah, they that show was basically just kind of like a middling of. Uh, well, it's kind of a sequel to The Mandalorian. It, it didn't know how to find its own identity. No, it didn't. And then you've also got a really good actor in Ewan McGregor yeah. carrying Kenobi, yes, too. Yes, yes, yes. You know, so, yes, I'm very excited. And with that, are we ready to talk about our episodes for today? Before we do that, uh, I would like to encourage everyone listening to, if you are feeling so generous, uh, go uh, check out and contribute to our Patreon. Um, we... Uh, yeah. like to do a bigger push for that we actually just got our first patron like a week or two ago so um yeah thank I you i've been consistently <laughs> putting out these episodes five days early on patreon uh except for this one because we are recording on saturday so the most the earliest i can get this up is later today <laughs> but um yeah that's my fault sorry guys. It's, a, it's fine <laughs> um but uh, 
the the uh the benefits for joining our patreon is you you get the episodes early um you can also get access to a uh, a special area in our discord uh where you can uh submit ideas for these small talks we do before uh, each episode if you want something for us to talk about that's open for you uh, at the higher tiers you will get your name shouted out at the end of each episode uh so yeah. you know uh we're at uh, patreon.com slash rest of both worlds and uh uh, even if you don't join the Patreon, uh, go ahead and join our Discord. The uh, the invite link is uh, pinned on our uh, Twitter account. So uh, have at it. And I guess I'll learn how to use Discord now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still, Discord still confuses me, but it's this seems to be the, the technology that everybody's moving to. So I think I should probably figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so today we are going to talk about The Survivors, which is the third episode of the third season. It first aired on the 9th of October, 1989. It was written by Michael Wagner and dressed by Les Landau. In this episode, they spend about 45 minutes telling a story they could have told in 15. Yeah, I was so bored. (laughs) They get a distress call. They find that the planet's colony has been completely wiped out except for this one house with two elderly people who are totally fine. And a perfectly manicured lawn. Perfectly manicured lawn, uh, even though if they're building a new colony and they're botanists... I don't know. It feels like a lawn is probably not very practical. I don't like lawns anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I hate them. But they were filming at like a Malibu beach house, so the lawn was already there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very 80s house. Very 80s. Everything in it was very 80s. So they're trying to figure out, well, okay, if the colony was attacked, why are you two left uh, unharmed and and just completely fine? And uh, they, uh, as it turns out, um, the uh, husband, Kevin Uxbridge, is actually secretly an alien. Uh, um, Like a kind of an ancient godlike alien who's been posing as a human this whole time, but he's like a, a total pacifist. And so he didn't do anything when the aliens came and attacked and like killed everyone. And he just went and including like, re- his wife, including his <laughs> wife. So he just went and recreated her and the house and just wants to be left alone. Uh, so, but you know, the way he's like acting like, oh, I just want to be left alone. It's like, well, it's rather suspicious when you're the only survivors of a, you know, massive, like genocide basically and you're acting like everything's fine (laughs) right Um, yeah and uh honestly i think he would have gotten away with it too if he hadn't uh subjected troy to just the torture of hearing a song over and over and over yeah a really bad waltz and like i think in my notes i called it the music box pox But yeah, I I mean, I also said in my notes that I had watermelon sugar by Harry Styles stuck in my head for two weeks. So I feel you, Diana, Deanna, because I really did. And it was a terrible song to have stuck in my head. But I mean, like there was I would say probably like five or six minutes of the episode were taken up watching Deanna writhe around on her bed. So I can actually um, relate like not not in in the way that it's an earworm. I I mean, I've had earworms, but like they're not things that like are actually torturous. But even though like just hearing the song itself isn't painful, it's just the inability to turn it off. And it's just the constantness of it that it's like it's like uh, what uh, Chinese water torture, just the the perpetual drip of of the water on your nose. Uh, One time I had an eyebrow twitch. 
that lasted for a week straight. Oh, and a whole week. That's terrible. A whole week. And, you know, it's not like it's painful or anything. It's just annoying. But by the end yeah. of that week, I, I swear, I was like s- driven so crazy by it. I was about ready to just like stab my eyebrow to sever the tendon. Um, yeah. which would not have made things better, but like I was driven so nuts by it. I was <laughs> it would considering make the twitching it. stop. <laughs> uh, what, what, what is the, um, the line from, um, a good place when Jason's like, anytime I have a problem, I just throw a Molotov cocktail and all of a sudden I have a completely new problem. <laughs> exactly. And as somebody who's had like chronic migraines my whole life, as I lay there in pain, sometimes I'm like laying there thinking about it. And I'm like, if I just sever this, like, this vein behind my eyeball all my pain would stop like i'll sit there because i can pinpoint where the pain is coming from and and then i'll be like no this is a terrible idea and then i saw the movie pie and i was like oh someone else had the same idea (laughs) but yeah no so that was that was the music box box and then it turned out that he was doing that to keep her out right he must have identified her as some sort of telepath so he was like oh i need to block her out now i gotta ask though because he had been living as a human for like I think he said 50 years. Yeah. Well, they had been married for 53 years. So, um, you know, yeah, a little bit long, longer than that. But he was living on Earth. And are there no Beta Zeds or Vulcans on Earth? I mean, Vulcans are also a telepathic species. I guess he never ran into one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. How did, how did he go that long without running into a telepath on Earth? Maybe in general, if he's just living his life and not being investigated for being the only survivor of a nuclear I, holocaust, maybe that's, that's what the difference point. was. Yeah, yeah. When Deanna's trying to sense the feelings of an entire world and there's only two people on it, she's going to pay closer attention. If there was a god just living as a human on Earth, but you're a telepath, well, you're surrounded by billions of minds. So, Like a shield, not, yeah. Yeah, you might not be able to pinpoint it. And also she was looking close. Uh, yeah, even if, like, like and she's trying to figure in. out what's going on with these people. Yeah. yeah. And now that we know the end of this episode, if she had poked hard enough, she was going to find out Rishan wasn't even a real person, probably. Right. You know, because I'm sure the thoughts of a not real person and a real person are different, you know. Mm-hmm. So then they, they chase, they get chased around by a fake ship for a while that obviously we find out later that Kevin... Kevin the alien it, yeah. is, is creating and um I kind of had figured that out like I knew it wasn't real and I was right. like but how I thought it was going to be Rishan she was the more famous actress like I'd seen her in more things and she was more like outgoing so I thought she was going to be the alien or the monster or whatever word you want to use there uh-huh. I wasn't expecting Kevin so at least that part they got me on that I was not expecting Kevin to be the Dowd I think as he called himself yeah and honestly, though, because uh, Picard also has his suspicions, he's like, I don't know, this this warship doesn't seem to be behaving correctly. But like he basically on a hunch figures out the whole thing. He figures out that Kevin must be some like all powerful alien. And I was wondering if he was going to be a Q. Well, he could have been like, I mean, his powers are very similar. And yeah. but like. Picard is even willing to let them die to satisfy his hunch. And I'm just like, dude, you're so lucky. You're right. (laughs) I know. I know. I thought about that, too. I was like, man, you could have killed everybody. And the hubris there would have been amazing. But, you know, I was like, uh, yeah, but he was right because, of course, he was right because he's the Picard. Sorry. Wait, that's next episode. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, 
um, so you know they're talking to Kevin about what happened, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I'm I I am a total pacifist. I don't kill people." But uh, and so when the uh, the Husnock or whatever the alien species was that that came to attack the colony, he's like, "I didn't do anything to defend them," and then and my wife went to fight them off, and they killed them all. And when I saw my dead wife's body, I just I went insane and I killed the I Husnock. went WandaVision. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're like, well, I think that's reasonable. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I didn't just kill that ship. I didn't kill a hundred Husnock or a thousand. I killed all of them. Even the women and the children. The children? <laughs> <laughs> they're animals. I slaughtered them like animals. <laughs> it, but no, he, he wipes out 50 billion peoples all across the universe. Um yeah. That's quite and some power that Picard just says, OK, well, enjoy your planet and leaves. That's the thing, because, you know, he says, I will submit myself to your judgment. And Picard says, we don't have a law for what you've done. And I'm like, uh, it's called genocide, dude. That's actually yeah. I, I would really hope that the Federation <laughs> has laws against genocide. Yeah, um, no, I said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, it was such a weird response. It was such a yeah, sure. OK, yeah. Uh, we'll just let you go live your life out on this planet with all your unlimited power. Bye. <laughs> I mean, there's not much that they can do if he doesn't want to be punished. Like anything he did would just be him, you know, being there willfully um, right i mean and he obviously does regret his actions because he's been a lifelong pacifist and then he goes and the first time he kills anyone he kills everyone yeah but we if we if we only if we just let people be punished by their own guilt then we don't need to have laws right <laughs> like, i don't know it just felt so weird to me it just it felt so like oh you have all this unlimited power let's throw you on this planet by yourself but i mean it's a nuclear wasteland now right well, it's a nuclear wasteland, but he's a, a a mortal alien who can survive anything, and he just creates the uh, the environment he wants to live in. So, we just need know. to put Wanda on her own planet. Yeah, he just <laughs> he just needs to Wandavision up some more people, basically. He does, yeah, without you know putting them under a terrible spell. Well, I mean, for him, it wouldn't be putting anyone under a terrible spell. He's creating everything. Oh, that's so, true. Yeah, because Rishon was dead, so he created Rishon. Apparently, he created some good tea in a nice house. <laughs> good tea nice house that like that bit from wharf uh is like has been a, a just a long-running uh meme well it's the only good moment in the entire episode <laughs> I, i'm not trying to shit on the episode i guess but i just i was so bored like i was like when they started chasing that other um ship around especially when it came back the second time i was like this is so boring because it's obviously not even a real ship you know like i don't know i didn't enjoy the episode much and we kind of keep like it, it kind of kept hitting the same note over and over again, basically, especially with the ship. And it was like, OK, they're doing some of this just to fill time. And it reminded me of so it was a TOS episode called The Alternative Factor, which involved like a, a mad scientist who was being hunted by his antimatter duplicate from the, another universe or something like that. Oh, and interesting. There was like a story point where he's like climbing on Kirk's rock. You know, where they always filmed everything. Right. Kirk yeah, the, the rock. And where we're going back to the in the next episode we review. But like he would just wander there and then he'd just fall off the top of it and they just have to take him to sick bay. They did that <laughs> plot point twice. Like he falls off it. They take him to sick bay. He gets better. He beams back down to the planet. He crawls around on the rock no. being crazy, falls off it again. So they have to take him to sick bay. Again. They did that <laughs> just to fill time. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, I there was, it did seem like there was a lot of filler because there wasn't even a B plot because the B plot was Deanna's music box box, right? So like yeah. there was an an actual B plot going on, um, and so they were trying to fill it with if they had actually spent some time with the philosophical like discussions uh, about the way that his powers worked or what he did, I think it would have been more interesting. But instead, it was just like, oh, you killed everybody. Okay, ha ha. Enjoy the planet. Goodbye. They should know. have cut one of the 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 starship chase scenes and instead had the last act be like a philosophical discussion with among the senior staff of what is to be done about this genocide guy. Right. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I just But Picard <laughs> just waves it off like, oh, you, you're not subject to our laws because we don't have a law about genocide, apparently. Yeah. And then how about that part where he was like, well, we'll just sit outside the planet and watch you for the rest of our lives. I was like, is that your new mission? Is that how what's the Federation going to feel like about you sitting outside this planet and watching them? He was calling Kevin's bluff. He gave Kevin because he he figured out what Kevin was at that point. So he was giving Kevin the conditions by which he would leave the planet. And it was we will be in orbit of the planet as long as you are alive. And then he has the ship show up and blow them up. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't like this one. Um, I felt like it was missing a bunch of the crew. I felt like there wasn't any good jokes. Like, you know how usually, at least if there's a episode that's not fun, at least we get bad dialogue to make fun of, you know? Uh-huh. Like, fun stuff, jokes. Like, like the one where they're trapped in the novel and Worf picks up the phone and doesn't know what it is. Like, all <laughs> we get is the nice house, good tea or whatever line. And I just, it didn't, it felt like it was lacking something. The next episode is Who Watches the Watchers. Um, It is the fourth episode of the third season. It first aired on the 16th of October, 1989. That's my mom's birthday. Written by Richard Manning and Hans Beamler, and it was directed by Robert Weimer. All right. So uh, I heard uh, before we started recording that you didn't like this one very much. But uh, I I think it's one of uh, Star Trek's better episodes. So uh, let's... uh, uh, let's debate me, bro. Um. All right, let's let's debate. So I thought that. Um, well, let's talk about the plot real quick. So there is, it's a prime directive episode. Yes. Um, where they screw the prime directive, so they're like, "Well, we already did that, so let's just take it all the way." <laughs> and um, and then I don't know. I thought the. <sighs> I thought just like the first episode that we talked about, there was a lot of time spent on plots that didn't matter, like 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 drawing out parts that didn't matter, like whether OG saw what she saw and whether he had actually gone up to the ship. Like there was all this time spent with the proto Vulcans that they that was like in the end didn't actually matter because what mattered is when um, Picard brought Nuria up to the ship right so that's my that's my main complaint is that it felt like a bunch of filler the the last half of it was really good but the first half of it was kind of all over the place well I think a lot of it was just setting the stage and showing how superstitions can come about and watching it develop through the episode um so the 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 plot is that there is a um, anthropology um, thing going on this planet, Mintaka 3, but they've got a holographic duck blind that is failing. So the right. Enterprise goes to like help fix it, and there's an, like, an explosion that uh, hurts a bunch of the anthropologists, and one of the Mintakans sees 
the duck blind climbs right up to it and then gets zapped and like falls and so they're like oh shit and they beam him up to sickbay uh and uh picard's like why would you do that you should have just let him die it would have <laughs> there's yes, gonna be like crusher can't break the prime directive only prime can or picard can do that <laughs> right 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 <laughs> yeah. but then um they're like she's like oh look we we can wipe his memory and she she references Pulaski did you, did you catch that because yes I did I said right it says right here Bev referenced Pulaski but where did Pulaski go <laughs> <laughs> she she went she's like just behind the camera she's just over there um, <laughs> but um the because uh, it was a memory wiping technique that she had used on that little girl in mm-hmm. uh, in, in pen pals yes that's right the one where data broke the prime directive <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it doesn't work with uh, Mintakin physiology. He remembers everything when they beam him back down. And and there's like, the, so the, they start, um, and, and like, it's been established that these are um, a very rational society. They don't really have superstition anymore. And they're like, I mean, the, the reason that uh, those two saw the duck blind in the, at, uh, in the first place was because um, they were doing like scientific research. The, right. Uh, the his, the guy's daughter was um uh, studying the sun at its zenith because she's doing some experiments or something. And, and both the father and the daughter were famous people because the dad is Leland Palmer. He, well, he's been in a million things, but he was Laura Palmer's dad on Twin Peaks. Uh-huh. And the daughter was Pamela Adlon, who was the thing I know her as is Marcy Runkle from Californication. But I write it wasn't until like five minutes in that I realized that that was Leland Palmer, and I had to like pull that thing up on Prime that shows me who the actors are, and I was like, yes. <laughs> it <laughs> is him because he's he's laura palmer's dad and he's actually the one that killed laura palmer (laughs) and so i was like oh it's lee (laughs) he was possessed by a spirit at the time (laughs) but anyway i mean yes 35 year old spoilers here if people are concerned about twin peak spoilers (laughs) um but it's i was really excited that it was him because i really like him as an actor he's been in a lot of stuff but that's the thing i think of him as is laura palmer's dad so i was excited he was there they realize that there's still a member of the anthropology team that they haven't uh, accounted for, uh, who is named enough, Palmer. Is named Palmer. <laughs> I know. And um, <laughs> they figure he must have like crawled off into a cave because they can't find his life signs, and the caves would would be blocking that. Uh, but the Mintakins find him, mm-hmm. and so they're just like, "Well, shit." There's. Uh, they've already got this like they, they had an old uh superstition that nobody believes in anymore called the uh the overseer and because the guy who was beamed up to sickbay uh saw picard and saw people talking to picard and everyone was answering to picard he reasons that picard the picard is the, the picard. overseer yeah and um once they find palmer an alien they're just like oh this must be one of the picard's servants and uh Riker and Troy beam down disguises him in Talkins because they're trying to be like, oh, well, this isn't, come on, this is all a bunch of uh, gobbledygook. You, they you they beam down silly. to gaslight an entire civilization. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, th- things don't go well. Uh, you know, um, Riker is able to get Palmer free from them in Talkins and like uh, uh, beam away. But then they're like, well, you know, these were travelers. We don't know them. And Riker and Troy came together. So we're going to hold Troy captive and they can't like beam her up because she's just right in the middle of all of them. And they're trying to limit further exposure. But eventually it's just like, look, the uh, impact to their society is already there. The prime directive has already been violated and the uh, leader of the anthropology team suggests that Picard uh, go down and 
because they're developing a religion around him that he should just go down and give them commandments. And Picard's like, no. I think they should have called that Operation 3PO. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Picard's like, no, 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 no. These people have uh, developed a rational mindset like, you know, millennia before humans at a comparable level of development. And I, I'm not going to undo all of that pros- progress. So he beams the uh, the leader of the village and he says, this is one of my favorite quotes, I'm going to show her how the magic works. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to be in the room where it happens. So he bra- beams her up to the Enterprise. Beams her up to the Enterprise and she's just like, oh, I'm in the presence of God. And he's like, no, 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 no. Here, like he, he makes a parable or like a, a parallel explanation where he's just like, you know, uh, human Talkins live in, in huts. But uh, did you always live in huts? She's like, no, we used to live in caves. Uh and he's like, OK, uh, did you always have bows? No. So imagine you met somebody who didn't have a bow and only lived in a cave. And here you are with your hut and you've got a bow and you can hunt a a, a deer thing from like a, a really long distance. They would yeah. think that you were magic. It's like, well, likewise, we just have developed techniques that you haven't yet. <laughs> yeah. And he thinks he's getting through to her. But then she's like starts asking him if he can bring back uh people who died like the previous winter right which obviously he can't do but they figure that he can bring people back to the uh, to life because they thought that the dad died Liko, and, i think his name was yeah because yeah. they thought Liko was dead and they thought oh well you brought Liko back from from the dead so can you bring back these other people who died eight months ago or whatever and um Fortunately for uh, the plot, uh, one of the uh, anthropologists is dying in sickbay. Fortunately, <laughs> uh, un- yes. <laughs> unfortunately for her, but great for the de- for for Picard's argument because Picard brings her to sickbay and watches the woman die. Right, and she realizes, oh, they can't bring people back from death. Right, because if we could, Tasha Yar would still be a member of the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> That's right. And so then uh, they they beam down and she's just like, no, he's not a god. He's they're more advanced than us. But we just, you know, uh, but then like another guy there is just like, no, 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 no. He is a god. And he's like, I'll prove it. And he like pulls out a bow and arrow and Picard's like, yeah, go, go ahead. Shoot me. <laughs> if you do that, you, you'll just. You better hope you're right. Otherwise, you're just going to murder an innocent man. Yeah. And then he does shoot him. But like somebody like bumps him. So he only gets him in the shoulder. So he's OK. But seeing that God can bleed makes them stop believing in him. And they get Troy back and everything is uh, all's well that ends well. Um, I, I, I guess. I, yeah. <laughs> I imagine there's still going to be some residual story like, you know, uh, 2000 years from that point most people will have forgotten or it would have just been like, oh, that just sounds like a folktale. Right. Because it reminded me of alien abduction stories, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And this is just one village. And, you know, they might tell the story to other people, but it's just one of those folktales and details will get lost along the way. So I think ultimately they will. uh, They probably did do a good job in minimizing the impact to the culture. But maybe if it's such a big deal not to break the prime directive, we shouldn't have scientists and duck blinds on underdeveloped planets. You know, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> uh, but if they did that, we wouldn't be able to have um, one of the uh, Star Trek movies because um, we actually have uh, Star Trek Inter- Insurrection has a very similar premise to this in which they are studying a primitive culture on a planet 
with a holographic duck blind. Oh, that's why it feels so familiar because I've seen the movies. Yeah. Uh Okay. I felt like this episode felt so familiar and I thought maybe I had just seen memes of like Riker and Troy dressed up in their Ren Faire costumes or something. (laughs) I was trying to figure out why it felt so familiar when I was watching it. So here's a question about the Prime Directive for you, though. So now that we're at the end of the episode and they're like just going to leave them with their and these like 80 people know what happened or whatever. Um, And they say, now you need to go on and develop your own, you know, science and get out into the stars and become explorers and all this kind of stuff. Okay, fine, because they would have developed that anyway, like we did. Right. So or any other civilization did. But you couldn't you argue that for the thousands and thousands of years, it's going to take them to develop that. And people are going to die of diseases that we have cures for, that the blood is all on the Federation's hands for not coming in and helping. Um, If somebody if you have the knowledge to uh, save somebody's life, but they're on the other side of the planet and you don't even know they're a problem. uh, Did you do anything wrong by not helping them? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because that's what I'm asking, because like so now he's leaving them, right? They're in their bronze age. That's what they said at the beginning. The the point is that they don't interfere with the develop natural development of other species because that's something that these species have to be able to uh, develop naturally and, and build their own cultures. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, deaths from disease and stuff like that. But that's you know yeah, how, like that's how every planet num- develops. The sheer number of people that'll die of cancer when they're standing right there with Bev, who could teach them how to cure cancer or whatever disease we're talking about that Star Trek has cured at this point. So it it's just something I was thinking about at the end of the episode. Like I don't know yeah, how it's much a tricky. I- it's a tricky uh, proposition. Um, I if if we went out into space and we discovered other uh, uh, sentient life. Uh, first off, I don't even know if we would recognize that they're sentient because uh, as far as I'm concerned, like orcas are basically as smart as we are. And, you know, right. most people just treat them as animals because they don't right. have hands, so they can't build anything. Um, so, you know, would we recognize other life? I've always thought aliens would be bugs because there's so many right. bugs on our planet that on another planet, they would have been the dominant species. You know, I just think um, it's it, it's a difficult decision. It's a difficult question. But uh, ultimately, the prime directive is there to avoid the colonial aspects of exploration right. that have always tainted human exploration on Earth. Mm-hmm. Trying to prevent that from happening in space. Yeah, right. Yeah, I get that, too. I just it was something at the end of the episode. I kind of had this weird taste in my mouth. And I was like, so now you leave them for thousands of years and think of all the people that are going to die when you could give them the cures to all those diseases and stuff because you have them in the memory banks of the Enterprise, you know? Yeah, but like, I mean, can they take responsibility for every planet in in the galaxy? That doesn't seem feasible. No, not really. Yeah. And then they have to be equal, I suppose, across the board. But they always on these Prime Directive episodes, it, it always feels like they're almost saying the prime directive just doesn't work and that's why we have to find workarounds every time we're there well that's (laughs) (laughs) i mean it 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 certainly is there like the prime directive is always there to you know uh cause a conflict in the episode it's like it's like uh, batman's no kill code there's you know uh, arguments that if he didn't have that no kill code uh he would have saved a lot of people in gotham if he just killed joker how many people would still be alive now instead of putting him in the easily escapable arkham again yeah but Um, that makes for a good story conflict and when you violate the prime directive uh you make a good argument for why in that case it was the right thing to do 
Um, I was just talking uh, with some friends last night about um, how uh, in the Zack Snyder uh, DC movies, Batman kills and they don't even address the fact that he kills. He just kills. And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with a story in which Batman breaks his no kill code. But you should address it. You should make that a primary part of the story. You should address what because he's going through something usually. Yeah, it's kind of like Doctor Who and his no gun rule. You know, (laughs) he should grapple with the the, the consequences of killing. You you should see him like it it should weigh on him and you should see him struggle with it. It shouldn't just be a oh, well, I guess he just killed all those people in that scene and then it's never addressed again. Right. So like, no, I agree with that. I, I, um, I think there are times when it's moral to break the prime directive, but that should be the story, right? Right. Which is which is, was in this episode. Yeah. Um, the other thing about it is, is that maybe it should be looked at as more like a, a guiding principle rather yeah. than like a legalistic. You must do this or you're breaking all the rules, you know, like more like the guiding principle here is not to interfere. But like if you're going to cause more problems by not interfering, I guess you have to interfere. Right. Because that seems to be almost every prime directive episode. <laughs> and that seems to be the uh, um, the the thought process behind the writers of Star Trek that uh, uh, particularly for Picard, he does not really hold a legalistic view of the prime directive. He's he sees it as, you know, a, a moral guide. But if it causes more harm than it would otherwise prevent, he is willing to break it. Yeah, and that makes for an interesting conflict, which is what made the second half of this episode interesting. When I told you that I found them both of these episodes to be kind of boring, it was just that there was a lot of exposition at the beginning of this episode that I didn't really feel was necessary. We could have gotten into the crux of it faster. Mm-hmm. That was my main complaint about this episode. But in general, I liked it. I do usually like going down into civilization episodes, you know, but like once again, we were on the original series set, you know, like, and it was so interesting in the first one because we were in that different camera view. Do you know what I mean? Where they're the outside camera view when they were at the Malibu looking yeah, yeah, place uh, with the yard. It had that like we're outside on Star Trek look to it rather than we're on the, a toss set, you know, <laughs> like, uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because they were actually filming on location <laughs> right yeah and so the two episodes being back to back i think i had i just came into this one with a bad taste in my mouth from the first huh. one i think that's what kind of helped ta- like because once i got to the end of this one i really love the part where he was taking nuria around the ship and showing her things and proving that she wasn't can we talk about the christ parallels in that whole thing Oh, yeah, yeah. He beams her up and he says, uh, be not afraid or don't be afraid or something like that. And and then he asks her to uh, uh, feel the warmth of my hand, the rhythm of my pulse. And I was just like, put your fingers in my side. in the hole. Yeah, Yeah. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty obvious that the the parallel was to show people why there would be no religion in the future. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought that was kind of the point. I have have written uh, in my notes, Picard tips his fedora. (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's when the anthropologist is suggesting that he go down and give them uh commandments and he's just like no i won't undo centuries of uh rational development and uh, have them go back into superstition and fear and i was just like yeah i've, I've heard this argument on on r slash atheism actually that scene uh got reposted to r slash atheism all the time back in the day did it yeah i'm not surprised <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, there was a ton of parallels. I thought it was kind of clever and interesting. And I thought it was an interesting way to like introduce atheism to people without being like, this episode's about why believing in God might be dumb. You know, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It was just like, this is what it looks like when you, you know, believe in these old superstitious religions, you know? And, yeah. and, and I, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting parallel. Um, the other thing, and this is just something I'm going to bring up at the end that I, that I wanted to talk about the first episode. Sure. Um, was that it reminded me of that story you wrote? Was didn't you write a story about two old people at the end of the world? Oh, <laughs> like, it, when you were doing NaNoWriMo? and yeah. I was when it first started, I was like, "Oh, this is like that story." <laughs> yeah, um, and I meant to bring it up during that episode, and I forgot. Yeah, uh, that God. Um, I think it I was only so got, long ago now. <laughs> I think I only got thirty thousand words in that story, but it was uh, that was the one where you finished the story before you hit fifty thousand, and you were like. Like, why would I keep writing? And I was like, why would you keep writing if it's done? You know? Well, well no, I think I just got got bored of the story and just oh. I, I, like it was. Yeah, it was just it was like two people wake up and all of humanity has disappeared. And it's just <laughs> them having to survive in, in the newly created wilderness and, and stuff like that. And then I, I don't know, I, I didn't really have a plan for why everyone had disappeared at first. And I think at the end, I just decided, oh, uh, it was the rapture and God just missed those two or something like that. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. But yeah, when that episode started, I was like, I wonder if he like subconsciously got, um, it, like inspired by the Not episode or whatever. Episode, I don't think, no. Okay. <laughs> so thanks for joining us today. I'm Ari. And I'm Gayfesh. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe and consider writing a review in your podcast service. We're on Twitter at Rest Both Worlds. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rest of both worlds for bonus content and hear your name at the end of each episode.